0: Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, the weekly podcast featuring conversations with local purpose-driven leaders, leaders creating social impact through their work and fostering a new era of social progress. We want you to listen, connect and grow with us. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com.
1: Look at the year we've just had uh, and look at the conversation around the intersection between business and society. It's heating up, thankfully and finally. It's heating up, so it's a great moment in time to have this conversation. The other reason is it's 10 years of Shared Value. Shared Value was started really by an article that was penned, uh, if your listeners don't know, by Mark Kramer and Michael Porter out of Harvard in 2011. So this actually marks 10 years since that original article that created the movement that's now global.
0: Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Downey, CEO of the Shared Value Project. The Shared Value Project mission is to drive the adoption and implementation of shared value strategies among leading companies, civil society, and government organizations through education and training, events, thought leadership, and convening high-impact networks. At a time like this, I think the Shared Value Project has become increasingly relevant, and it's not surprising that their upcoming Shared Value Summit has already sold out its in-person tickets with just online tickets available. That is, unless you're a Humans of Purpose listener. And you can answer the following question, what is the future you choose? You can email me at hello at humansofpurpose.com by Sunday evening, and the most inspiring two answers to that question will receive complimentary tickets to the event and can decide to attend in person or online. These tickets are valued at around $350 each, so I'm really grateful to the Shared Value Project for supporting us here at Humans of Purpose. Of course, I'll be there with a colleague from Spark and look forward to seeing you there too. The conference is on the 17th of June, and the theme is The Future We Choose, reflecting on the unique moment we're at in time, with greater agency than ever before to decide our own collective fate. So look forward to receiving your inspiring emails by Sunday evening, and we'll announce the winners on next next week's podcast, so be sure to tune in. The question again is, what is the future you choose? Now back to Sarah. This is a really interesting uh, podcast for me to conduct, given that Sarah has worked extensively in both the not-for-profit land and uh, the corporate world. This places her extremely well to be CEO of the Shared Value Project, and a major theme of our conversation is the vital role that language and intent plays in shaping collaboration and connection. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Sarah, I'm so glad you could join me tonight. Uh, Welcome to Humans of Purpose.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, Well, look, it's my pleasure, and I I did manage to uh, catch your Apricot Consulting gig during the week, which was awesome, so well done on your panel presentation.
1: It was nice to be in front of real people for a change. I know.
0: I think everyone was feeling that. It was a really nice vibe, and just have some drinks, talk to people, be human again.
1: The fact that people came out on a cold, rainy Melbourne night says we're desperate for human contact again I think.
0: On a school night and they were out in masses so well done on that um, event that was lovely. Um, I think a good place to start before we get into shared value is just to talk a bit about your journey, your career journey, life journey um, and how you land where you are now at shared value.
1: How long have you got? Um,
0: We've got about 45 minutes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Probably not all for my journey. (laughs) I started my career in advertising. Let's start there. Uh, working with you know big names that that you've heard of, Nike, Australia Post, Telstra, people like that, and you know I, I loved that side of my career. I really enjoyed the creative problem solving, the finding brand purpose. Uh, but it's fair to say, and this sounds totally cliche, that you know quite a long time into that that journey, I just felt personally that I didn't have purpose. And at the time, I thought the way to get that purpose was to exit stage left out of my advertising career and go and look for purpose in the not-for-profit sector. And that's what I did. I jumped with both feet into the not-for-profit world. I landed at Make-A-Wish.
0: How was the transition for you?
1: It was a bit of a shock, Mm. I have to say. Um, Culturally a shock. uh, But it was incredibly rewarding in a way that I didn't really expect, you know, I naively thought here I would be taking my experience and giving back to this important, you know, community and of course found very quickly that I learnt far more than I'm sure that I gave and getting up close and personal to issues uh, to frankly families and children at their most horrifically traumatic time taught me an awful lot and it taught me how an issue like that doesn't just isn't just a, a physical health problem it's a mental health problem it disrupts families financially puts them into ruin because one parent usually has to end their job and stay with their child often leaving home so there's a whole lot of issues and and societal issues frankly that come from from one traumatic event like that uh, I spent time then leading uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, getting up close and personal with different forms of disadvantage, and uh, then more recently with one girl stepping into the international development world. And that whole time, I guess in in the community sector, if you like, and and thinking about and and seeing those societal issues up close and personal, it just became very apparent to me that some of the funding models were broken, and despite everyone's best efforts and expertise and talents, we just needed more money. Uh, and that led me to this area of shared value, frankly. so like,
0: you um you went to both sides and you landed somewhere in the middle.
1: Yeah, I I thought there has to be another way. There has to be a way to sort of mobilise the business world and the resources and IP and assets that they have. And and I found out I wasn't new. Uh, It actually already existed and it was called Shared Value. And I thought, yeah, that's it. I have to bring these two worlds together. And, um, yeah, and that's I guess, feels like it's the right purpose for me.
0: Terrific. And what is Shared Value?
1: So Shared Value really is a business strategy that – looks to solve societal problems profitably. Uh, and that sounds easy and it's not always easy. It doesn't sound that easy. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> good, 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 good. Uh, yeah, no, it's, um, it manifests in, in a lot of different ways, but at the end of the day it's business trying to use business itself, really, to solve a societal issue that's, um, that's material to, to, to the business.
0: That's an interesting one. So do you think, generally speaking, businesses do have a role to to play in solving social problems?
1: I do. And I think 2020 probably was one of those times that proved the point. If ever we kind of wanted an example of how interconnected we are, that our economic health and societal health, you know, are 100% you know, influence each other, 2020 kind of helped us realise that. But yeah, I think absolutely. Business is part of society. It's um, you know, it employs more people than anyone else. Um, it benefits from, uh, from from our from our dollars, and uh, it it absolutely has a role to play.
0: So I suppose um, businesses are just collections of humans who all also have their own um, purposeful or or social purpose aspirations to make the world a better place in some way, shape, or form too. A much better way of putting it yes Yes, you're (laughs) right (laughs) different different um just picking up on your definition of shared value so an important um clarifier of that statement is profitably so what do you say about the importance of that because surely social problems should just be solved like someone's got to solve them why do you have to do so profitably to get business engaged Mm,
1: that's the that's that's the right question to ask like It is important in a shared value context that it is profitable. And we're pretty unashamable about that, the profit part of that. And I guess the reason that I would put it, and maybe it's helpful to arc back to the time that I was leading not-for-profit organizations, uh, gives me perhaps the license to say, I want business to do this profitably because I genuinely don't believe that we will ever invest enough money in these societal issues until such time as we can find profitable ways to do so. If we do that, then we can find investment models, we can find vehicles that are scalable and sustainable. If we only ever treat societal issues as giving back, as a 1% of profits that we might give, Then, yeah, that might seem pure, but it's never going to scale in the way that we can if we find actually it's good for business to do so.
0: So, I think that it's interesting. So, there's a clear, there has to be a clear economic incentive to drive action, and that's going to be more powerful than just an altruistic incentive.
1: Absolutely. And look, maybe I should just point out I do think business should be altruistic as well. (laughs) I do think that they should have philanthropic um, arms, that they should do fantastic CSR programs. I want them to do that too um, because not every problem can be solved with a shared value solution. But those that can be solved with a shared value solution arguably um, enable more money to be directed to those that can't.
0: And um, how's it all going, this shared value project?
1: It's going well. I have to say when I stepped into the role six months ago now, you know, last year – It's really uncertain you know how would business react to the year that we've had would it would it see that connection between economic and societal health and say yes we need to do more or would it become very blinkered and say actually we just got to protect ourselves and our profit right now because we've we've suffered so much so thankfully the former is true Mm. thankfully we're really seeing momentum we're seeing businesses say yeah we get it
0: so maybe it's interesting to talk about the membership model of SVP, uh Shared Value Project and sort of where you're finding the mel- members are driving good value.
1: The membership model, you know, it tracks all sorts I guess, um but it's really there to bring a collective of those all trying to to do a good job of this. No one would would say that they have the perfect answers or the or the perfect model. But where there is true intent you know to walk the talk um, and to deliver on purpose, and by coming together as a community as a as a membership, they can lean on each other. they can lean on uh, the expertise and examples, but just also culturally, I think of just feeling like they're with like-minded people. so um, yeah, we focus on education and capacity building. We do some kind of light coaching as well, helping organisations apply the shared value framework to their individual organisations, because that's very important. And we find ways for them to come together and, yeah, feel like they're part of a good crew.
0: I think an important part of a strong community is a shared language. Uh, We talked a bit about the different worlds you've come from. Um, How does it work trying to be in the middle or the bridge between the the corporate and the not-for-profit world? And how does language kind of evolve around that?
1: I think we're getting better at it, but there's a long way to go. I think shared value, to be fair, has traditionally sort of focused on the corporate, on on the business member, if you like, sort of asking them to apply this societal lens in a way that they haven't done before. But increasingly, and perhaps not a surprise given the background I've just shared with you, I think there is a real opportunity for the not-for-profit and community sector to Think about it from how I like to call an issues-first perspective and say, okay, without issue, who might be those commercial private sector partners that we could work with and Mm. really find a market-driven solution? And and I think that's really interesting.
0: And I think the entry point there is interesting too. So sustainable business models and then partnership with a not-for-profit or a corporate sort of maybe being part of that diversified income stream.
1: I hope so. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I know that, you know, probably the number one question on any not-for-profits senior board um, exec is, you know, how do we find sustainable funding models? It's just not realistic to be given small grants and asked to change the world. So yeah I truly think that shared value can be that framework and can be the the language as you say, for them to come together with the with the, with a corporate and start talking the same language.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I'm interested what is the one what is the biggest lesson you've learned um, as a shared value person from the corporate community, and what is one of the biggest lessons you've learned from the not-for-profit community?
1: That's an interesting question, but i I think, I think what I would say, and maybe this is a little blinkered because of the kinds of organisations that are members of shared value, but I don't think we're very far apart from each other. I think, you know, the business sector, corporate sector, it, it wants to help. It, it does see that it has a role in society. It, it does, it tangibly does want, want to make an impact and, and deliver on its purpose just doesn't always know how, you know, to, to do it. And from the not-for-profit sector, I think, you know, again, you know, there perhaps needs to be, if I can say, a greater realisation that that is how the business sector thinks um, and, you know, be, be open to, to working together in a way that maybe they haven't before.
0: Mm. Very well said. Um, I mean, I'm curious a, a bit about your current experience and whether you have a favorite sort of shared value collaboration or story you'd like to share.
1: It's difficult to pick favorites. Uh, Okay.
0: Like just for the guest benefit, it's not actually her favorite. It's the most recent example she can think of. So it's okay. (laughs) There are no favorites in shared value.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Look, I think, um, I think it's the diversity of examples that I really enjoy uh, to be honest. So, you know, there's a really big focus at the moment in social procurement, for example. And the challenge with something like social procurement is that it becomes a box-ticking exercise, right? Um, that if there's a contract that says you must employ five of a particularly, you know, underemployed cohort, that's all that they'll ever do. Whereas if you can prove the value, the, the extra diversity and talents Um, that you can get from bringing that that cohort into your organization actually prove the productivity gains from that then instead of having that sort of five person in the contract social procurement box ticking exercise you've potentially proved out the value of bringing that diversity of employment into your organization and then it's scalable Mm. and that's perhaps you know and i can't name the actual example there because it's a little confidential at the moment but That's one that I love because that's turning something that was box ticking into something that's truly shared
0: value. Yeah, that's a really interesting example, actually. And I wonder sort of how those dynamics play out where things you kind of have to start measuring or or attributing uh, profitable value to things uh, that maybe would traditionally not be measured, like, um, you know, the the impact of having a diverse versus non-diverse workforce, what, what does that translate to economically?
1: Yeah, and obviously, if you think about, uh, if you think about an organisation that might be building precincts, you know, they, they have to build for diverse communities, and if you don't have that diversity represented, how do you do that well? So, yeah, there's a measurement challenge, and there's always a measurement challenge in shared value, but you know, it just changes people's perspective of why they're bringing in diversity. And I think that's really exciting.
0: When you're thinking about expanding the shared value network, what do you kind of look like in terms of identifying where a shared value approach might be useful, or maybe somebody would be a really good fit for another shared value partner? How does that play out?
1: So for me, I see shared value everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that's my 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 problem. I think
0: every <laughs> world of shared value. <laughs> I think
1: oh, I do. I think everyone, you know, should be thinking about it. I think not for profits should think about it. Where are those private sector collaborations? And I think every business should be thinking about, you know, what what is a societal issue that impacts our business and therefore how could we design a way to, you know, to create that shared value. So look there are There are some obvious ones. Um, We've just brought on um, Energy Australia into the membership. I think I'm allowed to say that. That's a really exciting space. Yeah. And then equally, we've just – we've equally brought on Corrections Victoria. Really? So there's some diversity. Wow. So, you know, it it can be everywhere. That's amazing.
0: And so when these interesting groups come in, um, what do they say is their reason for becoming part of the Shared Value Project? I'm sure there are a range, but do, do you kind of pick up common threads?
1: Yeah, there are common threads and I think it's the how. You know, I think, you know, what we touched on earlier, you know, business does want to and, and I think that they get that there's a why in there and purpose is important, but often they do struggle with the how. Um, and I think it's also fair to say that for most businesses, You know, it's not, they can't start with a blank sheet of paper and design the very perfect purpose-driven business that they've got to retool a lot of, a lot of what they do and shared value gives them a way to do that.
0: So how achievable is it or realistic to expect that, um, or how many do you think businesses as a percentage would like aspire to be a purpose-driven business if they could be or a shared value sort of partner
1: am i allowed to say all yeah you can yeah of i think all because i think that's the beauty of something like shared value it's a business strategy i'd like to think that we don't even have to exist in the future i i think every every university every school should just be teaching business through a shared value lens
0: i hope you exist for a fair bit longer because <laughs> you just told me that you've only been in the gig six months yeah. and you need time to make your mark and
1: yeah, I, I think I think we'll be here for a little bit longer. <laughs> Good, but you know, I stick think, around. <laughs> I, I think the the perfect world scenario mm. is that. And, and I was actually talking to some students at that panel event you just mentioned, and you know, they were saying like we don't get taught this, you know in our in our business degrees.
0: Yeah, it's actually a fascinating gap, I think, for young people. Um, just sort of understanding that business isn't just business. There are a whole range of different, you know, vehicles and ways of being and um, there are just choices now. I remember like, you know, in the early 2000s when I graduated high school, um, this stuff just didn't exist really. Like we, I kind of knew about not-for-profits but that whole middle chunk of, you know, B Corp's, uh, social enterprises, purpose-driven businesses, businesses who do good as part of business. Um, I think it must have been called corporate social responsibility mainly back then.
1: I think it still is. Yeah, you know, I think that I think that still is the label. But if we can teach everyone that goes into business to be thinking about their impact mm. on society. Mm then, you know, kind of problem done.
0: I think we need to, with that term, flip the narrative a bit or the, or the lexicon because um, corporate social responsibility for me is a big issue. Once you make something a responsibility for people, they just are like, you know, could take it or leave it.
1: Yeah. I think, the passion goes away. I think there's something, I and I'm I'm not sure who I'm quoting here and it's not mine so I won't take credit, but, you know, even the word sustainable. I mean, if someone told you your marriage was sustainable, that doesn't sound very cool, right? I would like, think
0: my marriage is ending next week if yeah, someone told me that. We
1: need to find better words yep. to describe this, yeah. Yep. So that it it has that momentum and that value added. So yeah.
0: <laughs> I just can't stop thinking about what a sustainable <laughs> marriage look like. It's
1: not <laughs> ideal. Don't, it's, we don't aspire yeah. to it. Let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> we, don't, we don't aspire to it. That's true. Um So I think I, I may have already asked you this in a different form, but I think it is a really good point to talk about. what What is the kind of sentiment that you're seeing from the not-for-profits and corporates about what they value most in terms of your shared value approach to doing business?
1: I think it is the framework. Uh, it, it gives them a playbook, you know, if you like. Uh, it starts with purpose and it works through – some pretty, you know, robust uh, approaches to thinking about issues, identification, opportunities, identification, strengths. So and I may have just made it sound quite boring, but when organisations want to do this and they just need the how, I, I think the, the fact that there is a, a process in shared value is, is helpful to, to organisations to, to really tackle this.
0: Well said. So um, I want to talk a little bit about what you're up to now and in the future, Uh, but the the big-ticket item is, of course, the Shared Value Summit. So tell us a bit about that and and why people should come along and where it is and all the details.
1: Okay. So the Shared Value Summit is we do a summit every year, but I think if I can say that this year is the most important yet, okay, yes, it's my first, Uh, (laughs) so let's put that on the table, Uh, but it's uh, most important, I'm going to argue for two reasons. One, uh, look at the year we've just had uh, and look at the conversation around the intersection between business and society. It's heating up, thankfully and finally. It's heating up. So it's a great moment in time to have this conversation. The other reason is it's 10 years of shared value. Shared value was started really by an article that was penned, uh, if your listeners don't know, by Mark Kramer and Michael Porter out of Harvard. In 2011. So this actually marks 10 years since that original article that created the movement that's now global. So I think it's a really important time for us as a global community to come together and say, okay, what have we learned in that 10 years? What what has shared value taught us? What did we get wrong in the original, you know, theory? If we did, how has the concept matured? And I'm excited to have that conversation.
0: It's sort of hard to believe that it's only 10 years on.
1: I think a lot's changed in that ten years as well. I, I truly think if you if you go back to the to the start of shared value, there was probably a lot of convincing people that this thing was important to do. Now I feel like we need to tell them how to do it. So I, I think that it's changed. But back to your question, because yep. I want to get my dates out. Get so your it's dates. The seventeenth of June and the theme. It's the future we choose. Yep. And I do want to clarify, and we we talked about this a lot as a team, it's not meant to be lofty, the future we choose, some sort of visionary. We we don't want to do that. We we absolutely want this to be rooted on the ground. And what we mean by the future we choose is this is actually up to us. We have more agency than we've had ever before. And when we're building, we do need to build the kind of future we want. So what does that look
0: like? And so I'm very excited to announce that we're going to be giving away two tickets as part of this Humans of Purpose and Shared Value Project collaboration. And the two ticket winners will simply have to answer one question. What is the future you choose in line with the theme of the conference? Which I think is just an amazing question. So I'm going to ask people probably by the end of the week, um, which will be Yeah, so when this airs, it'll be sort of towards the back end of May, maybe by Sunday night to pop in your entry. We'll put a link in the show notes. And we really hope you can join um, us at the conference, which is going to be amazing.
1: And can I just uh, mention perhaps that we're doing a hybrid event this year? Yeah. Uh, So we're trying to get the best of both worlds. Um, We're calling it a digital-first hybrid, which means that we're really – Uh, producing the summit for an online virtual audience uh, but we'll also have people in studio as well
0: you're going to have people being so excited to network it's going to be insane like there's there's like a year of pent-up networking tension that hasn't been able to release and i feel the shared value summit may be where it happens
1: Uh, we're already looking at if we can (laughs) increase the capacity for in studio for exactly that reason (laughs) to be honest it's a good problem to have
0: you've had a lot of interest
1: yeah, we have. That's right. Um yeah, again, uh, for the same reason. Mm. I think that momentum's brewing and it's it's a great feeling.
0: What about how do you create that special source that is the networking, the like unintentional collisions that happen in physical conferences for an online community?
1: Uh, with with good crafting, I think. Mm. Uh we'll be using an event app this year that will give us uh, a bit more capability to do that networking. The other thing we're encouraging um, it's a new form of hybrid is we're actually asking organizations to purchase a group pass and actually stream it into their office so that they can have people sitting around their
0: boardroom it's like or, a viewing party correct a yeah. viewing party yeah. and that
1: way they can talk about what they're doing in shared value or um and you know create it's it's. You might still be watching it online, but at least you can do it together and you can have side chats and you're not interrupting the speakers. So I think it's perfect.
0: So how many seats altogether do you hope to sell, Um, like in person and also the online number, maybe even a percentage split if you want to give give an indication of – I'm just curious kind of like who will be where and how many.
1: Oh, between the two. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a much bigger audience online, Mm -hmm. we expect. Um, Last year we had 500 attend virtually and we've got capacity for around 150 in studio. Wow. Yeah, I think that's hence why we're really crafting it to make sure it's – going to be a high quality production for a virtual audience
0: um, lots of twitter and hashtags so people can like blend in
1: (laughs) exactly so uh, someone was telling me today that when they did it watched it as a team last year they they had a chat function open the whole time so i thought you know there's some good new ways to to get some networking in
0: i think that's one of the new things that people haven't quite worked out about zooms and stuff like group zooms when you dial into like a session like you know, what's the chat protocol? Like how do you get things started? You're talking to everyone. Can you talk to someone privately? Is that weird? Yeah, don't <laughs> so,
1: mix them up too. Yeah, yeah
0: don't mix them <laughs> up. There's a lot of um, protocol to be figured out for the, um, the mixed events. But, yeah, no, it looks amazing. So you've got Mark Kramer's actually speaking.
1: He is. Well, it's as I said, it's 10 years. Yeah. It's really important we hear from the founder. We need him to tell us what what he's observed and where he sees the future.
0: And so is he dialing in or in person?
1: He's dialing in yeah, yeah. It's the u s he is yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're not accepting a lot of people in our country at the moment.
0: <laughs> that's a great point. It's a great point. I thought maybe he got a special uh, conference discount code that enabled him quick access to the country.
1: Yeah, connections to government aren't quite that good, <laughs> yeah. Mark.
0: You've got Corrections Victoria. It's a start. It's a start. Um, you've got Damien Moo from um, the AIA Australia. We were lucky enough to have uh, Candace Smith a few weeks ago, the head of wellness. Uh,
1: yeah, of course.
0: So that's very exciting. Um, you've got Sandra Martinez from Nestle, Jeremy Thorpe from PWC, April Wynn Futurist, Rosemary Addis, just the total trailblazer in the impact investment social enterprise space, Daniel Rorty, Jen Buckley, Steve Demopoulos MP, oh, this this is going to be fantastic. I'm actually very excited for this conference.
1: Oh, good. I'm glad. I hope hope lots of people are because I am. Yeah. I think uh, one of my team members was saying this is our opportunity to create the purpose, you know, event that we would want to go to. So that's what we're trying to do.
0: Love us. Um, One thing that we haven't touched on that I'm curious about is that relationship between profit and social impact. Like are these things – does one necessitate the other or are they separate and should be treated as such?
1: Both uh, is, 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 my, is my short answer to that question. So I think we need to find ways to create profit and revenue and increased business performance from the work that we do in creating social impact because without that I just fear we'll never get the level of investment that's needed But there will always be a need for social impact that is done purely because it's the right thing to do. And when we talk to businesses around shared value, we say, look, there are things that you need to do as a business that will cost you money. Of course, there are. And you need to do those things because you need to create the kind of society that we all want to live in one that is equal and fair. But then if you can find, in addition to that, if you can find ways to really move the needle on a societal issue and create true impact, if your business can be rewarded for that in some way, shape or form, then you'll be able to do more of that. Um, and that's the whole, that's the. That's the perfect
0: scenario. That is very well summed up. Um, I want to just thank you for coming on so much. It's been really nice to spend some time with you. How can people connect with you and learn a bit more about your work?
1: So probably the best way is to head to our website, so sharedvalue.org.au. I mean, there's lots of information there. Um, You can also find uh, pretty easy access to our Summit uh, website from there as well. Um, So, you know, coming down to Summit is probably – The best way to get you know in one day a complete overview of what leadership looks like in shared value the measurement you know if you're thinking esg is going to save you you might want to come down and listen as well and get in and see a showcase of shared value and and get into some issues as as well so if you want a one day you know kind of introduction maybe maybe summit's the best and otherwise there's contact details on our website and we'd love to chat
0: we hope to see you at the summit. Uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, two tickets to give away. All you have to do is answer in uh, correspondence to the theme of the conference, what is the future you choose? And the best two answers will uh, be going along to that shared value conference. And I think the value of those two tickets is somewhere near the $750 mark. So it's, it's high. It's a very good prize and um, a really great opportunity. So do get involved in that competition. Thank you so much for being with me.
1: Oh, thank you for the chat. It's been really great.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player or the link in today's episode notes. Why not share the podcast with your networks? After all, 62% of our subscribers come from word-of-mouth recommendations and social shares. You could also leave us a five-star review and some kind words in the iTunes store. If you love what we do each week and want to support the show, you should join our growing community of Patreon supporters or consider becoming a show sponsor. To learn more about all of that, just head to humansofpurpose.com.